Miranchuk, and here's Luis Muriel! What a way to win a game! It's his first in Serie A this season. It's a goal only Luis Muriel could score. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Serie A Spotlight. This is episode 103 and we're your hosts Matt and Jake. Here to discuss a rather mental match day 15, brother. Absolutely crazy, bro. There were fantastic goals, red cards. There were teeth flying out of people's faces, people's eyes swelling up to the point that they look like Popeye with one eye. Jesus. Yeah, man, La Padula, you know, he broke his nose, had his eye swollen, then scored the equalizer. I almost thought you were talking about what happened in Turkey the other day. That was fucking crazy. Did Ah, you see the the president of a football team just ran onto the pitch and cunted the referee (laughs) in the face, man. And then the fans started coming in and they started kicking the ref while he was down. Look, it's it's despicable and the, the league's been... I think halted. For yeah, the, all, all the games have been postponed. Yeah. Um, you know, not good to see. If it's on the pitch between the players, that's fine. But when the club owner, president or whatever runs onto the pitch and punches Jeez, the referee, man. that's just crazy. Yeah. And, and to be honest, of. the club should be punished for that because it's it's his club, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, our goal of the week this week was Muriel's against Milan. He channeled his inner... Ronaldo, you know, his yeah. inner Brazilian Ronaldo. Um, he he has this in him, and we've been we've been saying. And um, there was that one season where he barely needed five minutes to score a goal. Um, he would come on. He's got this magical technique, but his fitness often lets him down. Yeah. As a player, quite moody. Um, but that was absolutely incredible. That was what the a winner win naturally, and 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 typically you see a back heel being scored. Like the same way that Zakanyi scored, that you yeah. know it's a square ball to him and he back heels it in. Um, Skamakas was crazy earlier this season as well through the keeper's legs, but this one threw on goal at an angle and he back heels it in. Very, very sneaky, man. There's no yeah, way any yeah. goalkeeper would have and, caught, like, like, caught on to that. And we haven't even mentioned Miranchuk on that goal, who got the assist. Oh, yeah. The ball was glued to him. It's like scripting on FIFA. No, mm. no, that happened. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, shout out to Pavoletti as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. It, it was a tight debate between those two, man. Esela Metti. Senya. Pavoletti, bro. Always, always, always. Madonna, Last kick of the game. It was crazy, man. So many good games this weekend, man. Like, and it always feels like by the time it's Tuesday, mm. you know, for the Friday games are complete blur, bro. Hey, you know? hey. Like, I, like, to me, the Juve-Napoli game, not that it's irrelevant, but so yeah. much happened since then. It's true. And the highlights of this weekend have uh, have taken place after that game, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Don't forget to follow us, guys, on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube, just to see our um, our short snippets that we post. They're quite funny. Um, and rate us five stars wherever you're listening, uh, be it Spotify, Google, or Apple. One thing we haven't done in a while, brother, is mention our Fanta Calcio. Yes, um, there's a reason I've not been reminding you. <laughs> I've just lost to the girls. That's fucking crazy, I've just lost man. to the girls, and I think I'm the lowest scoring team in the league. I don't know what's going You're on. You're typically great. In- yes, I don't man. know what's going on, man. Injuries have really clarted me and like mm. I'm doing terribly. Like I'm on 13 points in eighth place above the Renegades and the girls. Um, Mintoff's first, 26 points. Yeah, you are currently fourth with 20 points. I'm um, draw Six second. Points. Well, yes. Wow, there are three teams. Oh, wow. Four teams on 20 points. Yes, That's I'm why. one of them. Very tight, huh? For mm. our... For our I hate my team so much, bro. Yeah, and why, I, why, I prefer the other one so much because I, I, 
I took a lot of rigorously to bank on kind of those those spot kicks, but I mm. didn't really take many players that are guaranteed to score a goal from open play. Well, not guaranteed. You can never guarantee. But I, I took Ozyman, so obviously I spend a lot of resources on him. My other team on the other one is so much better, though. Like Skamaka, Zergze, yeah, yeah. Chalanoglu. And You've got the, a great team. In guys. fact, you're running away with it on the other one. Yeah, five points ahead. But anyway, guys, we do have a Patreon if you want to support our content. Um, it's three ninety nine a month. We've got a single tier, and it's to help us out. And the money will be reinvested into the podcast, the studio, trying to introduce film eventually, things like that. Once you know? we learn how to withdraw the money, because for now, no, I figured it out. Me. I filled in the form, and we can withdraw the money. Nice, it's so... there, but we might as well save it and keep it there. Yeah, but for you now. know, I <laughs> well, I paid for the new <laughs> mic, there, brother. <laughs> but I, 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 I'll, I'll pay you half. We'll, we'll... <laughs> Don't worry, the mic will come out of our pockets. Nice. Nice. Um, the patron list so far shout out to these legends we've got Mintoff, Mike, Luca, Alan, Andy, Matthias, Edward, Theo, Lena, Tonna, Anthony and David Mastro Battista, Mastro Battista legend um, <laughs> if you want to join the family guys get on Patreon we'll add you to the WhatsApp group chat it's a vibe okay Yes, as for the rundown we're going to start things off with Juve 1, Napoli 0 in what was you know the the staple of this of this match day being Juve in second and they actually went uh, first place temporarily before Inter's game. Atalanta 3, Milan 2 in that, is it a Lombardi derby over there? Uh, it would be a Lombardi derby. And, yeah. uh, and let's call it the Lombardi derby. Atalanta got the lead, Milan fought back, Atalanta got the lead, Milan fought back and then Atalanta got the lead after a Calabria red card. Inter 4, Udinese 0, Chalanoglu once again on the score sheet over there for Inter. Roma 1, Fiorentina 1, 2 red cards for Roma over there in a feisty, feisty match where actually Dybala went off injured once again for Roma. Salernitana 1, Bologna 2, that's Bologna's first win away from home this season thanks to a doppietta by Zerg Zay. Cagliari 2, Sassuolo 1, Sassuolo and the self-destruct button are a match made in heaven, Cagliari and the comeback are an even more accurate match made in heaven. Monza 1, Genoa 0, Monza left it late but it was Danny Mota that got them the victory after his first goal in 16 matches. Verona 1, Lazio 1, Zaccani scored against his old team but Thomas Henry got his second goal in two matches in a row. Empoli won, Lecce won, Empoli did manage to get out of the relegation zone for a second, but now they are back in it. And Frosinone nil, Torino nil is obviously the last game that we yeah. are going to be covering. Yeah, um, some bangers over there, bro. Lots of goalkeeping errors as well, looking yes. back at it. Um, lots of red cards and quite a few fantastic goals. So I think we should just jump right in, bro. I think so, and we'll start naturally with, with Juve Napoli. Get this one over and done with. No, it was it was a good game. It was it a was, good game. It was entertaining. It was a rather tight affair. Uh, Juve were still missing Wea, who was replaced by Cambia. So typically plays as a left-back, but he started as a right-back in this game. And... Wow, he's a very versatile player. I've heard comparisons to Zambrotta recently. Yeah. I like it. Danilo had his first start in six weeks, slotting into that back three alongside Gatti and Bremer. Finally, um, we could see that iconic back three for you. Well, when I say iconic, I mean, in, you know, this season. Formidable. Um, formidable. Those are three yes. tough opponents. Like. Yeah, definitely. And Locatelli this time started in midfield ahead of Nicolucci. Good to see that his rib has gotten a little bit better. Um Oliveira and Rui were still out for Napoli, so Nathan was once again used as a left-back. And this time, Zielinski started ahead of Elmas, because last week, for some reason, Elmas started ahead of Zielinski. Um, 
The game ignited after 20 minutes when Chiesa's dynamic runs down the left wing created chances, uh, but Juan Jesus made a crucial block to deny Juventus an early lead. Napoli had clear chances to break the deadlock, notably Kvica uh, Kvaratskhelia. He had that dreadful one-on-one miss where he failed to hit the target with plenty of yeah. time and space, threw on goal and he lifted the ball over the crossbar. That was so unlike him. He looked really amateur yeah, over yeah. there. He's, he's typically like... He's not typically a player that... that thinks yeah he's, he's um, a very instinctual player and over there I think he almost had too much time to think that's, that's exactly what I was going to say usually he dribbles his man and he has a split second to shoot like to get exactly. that ball towards goal like this time he got the ball he was clean through man he has like one second two seconds mm-hmm. three seconds ah! exactly it's like what the hell am I going to do is I got to bend it top bins like yeah. he fucked it up Napoli and then had, a, had another chance, but was a remarkable save by Szczesny that denied Di Lorenzo from close range for what probably was the save of the season thus far. Uh, he did great to get back in position and deny the Italians close range header. It was kind of like almost a Gordon Bank save yeah. um, for England and I believe the 1966 World Cup, was it? I wasn't around, bro, <laughs> personally. No one was around when England won the World Cup, but I don't know if it was the season England won the World Cup, I don't know. And Pele was on the pitch, though, the save was on him. Huh. Vlaovic had Merit beaten, but hit the post from just outside the area after the restart, but I believe the linesman had deflagged offside over there, so that doesn't matter. But Juve broke the deadlock just two minutes later in the 50th minute. It was Cambiasso's precise in-swinging corner from the right, which found Gatti, whose powerful header found the back of the net, giving Juve a crucial lead. This guy is the man on fire, he's the man of the moment, he's the superhero, the rags-to-riches story of Gatti. The... The funniest thing about this is that it seems that his mistake against Sassuolo kicked all of this off. Yes, man. Yes, we also forgot to open (laughs) our beer. We're just out here. Headphone users, beware. (laughs) You sounded like the the video game guy from The Simpsons. (laughs) The guy with the the top ports. Yeah, the the ponytail. Yeah. You were saying, ah, I think... Um, he, he scored one of the worst on goals I've ever seen and it seemed to inspire him and motivate uh-huh. him and he hasn't looked back since, man. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. An embarrassing experience can either very much make or break you, especially mm-hmm. on the on the grand stage. But Gatti, wow. And the thing that people aren't talking about is that he's actually been very solid defensively course, as well. He's yes. um, becoming a bit of a Sergio Ramos. Uh, there was also Romagnoli for like two games in a row for me. Yeah, that was the last minute yes. goals. One of them was like a Ravushata, but he didn't fall. It was yeah. crazy. Um, but the other one was when um, I believe it was Suso and maybe Kutrona. They were shoot, just passing. and shoot. Exactly. Napoli thought they equalised with Osimhen's goal after Politano intercepted Szczesny's wayward pass, but the goal was the sellout for offside. Uh, it was great work by, by Osimhen to score that, but it was a definite, definite offside. Um, I was putting together the, the notes, I was reading an article, and it said, marginally offside, and uh, that, that stirred debate. Like, yeah. No. Did, did you see what VAR showed? I was like, absolutely it was a mile. <laughs> the guy was in another country. Like <laughs> Napoli attempted a late comeback with Di Lorenzo hitting the side netting and Szczesny making crucial saves to secure the narrow lead. So Juve actually momentarily went up to first. Napoli struggling, but one thing I want to address is Mazzari's baptism of fire. His first game for Napoli after the international break was an away victory against Atalanta, two goes to one. I see that and I get so pissed off as a Milan fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then a trip to Madrid shortly after where they lost 4-2. 
And then they hosted Inter and lost 3-0. And then they went to Juve and they lost 1-0. So one thing I'm noticing over here, a bit of a trend is maybe their goal-scoring abilities are nowhere near what they used to be last year. Uh So obviously it's clear to see that defensively Napoli are better. Yeah. Since Rudy Garcia's sacking, or rather Mazzari's employment. Mm. Um, what is also clear is that there aren't any clear offensive patterns. Mm. Right? So it seems that he's giving Politano, Oziman, and Gvaratskelia a lot of freedom of expression. Yeah. A lot of room to improvise. And that obviously does not always work. It depends on how they perform on the day. If mm-hmm. they're having a bad day, there's no system to almost fall back on. Yeah. Now, this would work, but it doesn't help as well as we discussed last episode that these guys are exhausted. They've been run to the ground. They were made to play against Real Madrid as well midweek, and then they had Inter right after. Mm-hmm. You know, it's exhausting for them playing that many minutes. And and yeah, it's clear to see that offensively they're not ticking. They're tired, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of pressure on the individ- on the individuals to to cook something up. And if they don't manage, then it, it's over for them. They don't really have any al- other alternatives. Plus, Juve are the kings at disrupting their opponent. Yeah. They will stop you from playing your game. Mm-hmm. They're they're so good at that. And you look at. Sorry to rant here, but I have to say this as well. Gatti, Bremer, and Danilo were like. Proper 90s Italian yep. defenders, they, yep. the way they handled Ozyman. It was mm-hmm. abuse. They were hitting him, like pulling at his T-shirt, mm-hmm. you know, really taunting him. Um, and yeah, they kept him quiet. Very good. Uh-huh. Um, so not, not really. Clearly, I agree exactly with, with what you're saying. Um, I think they're, they're... I wouldn't even say they got tidier defensively, but, but they got way more cautious mm. as a team. It's like even when they're attacking, they're not that free-flowing because they've always got kind of um, it's almost insecurity about what's going on at the back when they are attacking. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it doesn't help that they're playing Nathan as a left-back because typically Mario Rui and Oliveira push a bit higher up the field and it gives them that additional outlet, especially Mario Rui who could really whip a ball in. Yeah. Um, for when the rest aren't showing up. But th- these are the kind of things you expect when you appoint a classic Italian manager that's used to play, that's used to uh, managing teams that are battling relegation or, or mid-table and you put him with the, the league champions. I, I think yeah. he trusts that that front three. Look, you guys, well, d- debatably two out of three of you are, are world-class. Just just go, go give it your all. Defensively, leave it up to us. And, and I think that's where they're struggling. And to contrast, Juve, who, okay, it's a Legri system. It's it's a very um, pragmatic system. Yeah, to say the least. To say the least. But, man, have they got the mentality of winners, this Juve team. Oh, it's next level, eh? And you look at the individual performances and the way the team kind of rejoices when a goal is scored, you know? Mm. First of all, Chesney's performances, like like these saves, are Massive. they can win you a league. Like yeah. they can win you the league. Um, those defenders are are tough. You know they can get yeah. they can get you like clean sheets mm-hmm. all season long. And when you have a striker like Vlaovic who who's off form and everything is going against him, and he should be sulking and he should be so annoyed with himself mm-hmm. and upset and pissed off and moody, like. Um, you see him celebrating so passionately 
Yep. When when his teammates score, it's it just goes to show that this team definitely has this team spirit about them, and that Allegri has really created a unit that is pretty much, you know, tough man. They're tough. They're they're keeping up with an Inter side who's much better than them on paper, and they're yeah. right there with them. Yeah. Have we addressed that Allegri isn't going to be there next season, and that most likely it's, it's going, going to be Conte? Conte? I don't even think we addressed it, bro. I, I That's don't crazy. Even think what do you think's about? next for Allegri? Do you see him going into international management, or do you think it's not over for well, him? Well, I, I I believe he's getting paid for next year. I believe he's by, getting by you because oh. he's still he's still on Under contract contract, for yeah. them. Um, that being said, I think he'll take the year off. He'll probably take the year off. Yeah. Then it's interesting to what he'll do after that. Milan <laughs> return. He, he returns home. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but um, he's definitely a he's definitely a good an manager. effective manager. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely effective. Let's put of it course. that way. I want to highlight Cambiaso. It's it's easy to highlight Gatti. I could go on about yes, Gatti, yes. but but I feel like they they could go back to last episode. If, if our opinion hasn't changed, yeah. it actually proves our opinion even more. But. Cambiaso on the right, fantastic. He's good. Cambiaso huh? on the left, fantastic as well. But I think this really shows his his versatility. The the young man it was a, a smart acquisition by by Juve bringing him in. Of course, of course. And I believe he was out on loan right at Bologna. And I think he learned a lot working with uh, Thiago Motta. Um, he's only twenty three years old, and these performances he's putting in can really make him a staple mm. in this Juve squad. Perhaps not in the starting eleven if they were to reinforce, but. Mm. Um, but his future is definitely bright and he's definitely an effective player going forward and even defensively. Mm-hmm. I think that once Wea is back into the team, he'll start right back. I think Cambiaso takes Kostic's place on the left. Kostic has been really... Um, so you've One-dimensional. W- one-dimensional and um, he's just not tidy at all, man. He's not tidy at all. He's often caught out of position. Um, he often loses possession himself. Um, be it he's trying to take on his man or, or he's trying a, a bit of an ambitious pass or he gets the routine pass wrong. Um, and he's under fire at the moment, um, Philip Kostic. And I think mm. Cambiaso is, is raising the standard for what that position needs to be. Yeah, um, but it's to be honest, it's between them two. Then there's Alexandro and Iling Jr. Iling Jr. isn't given the light of day by Allegri, mm. probably because of his defensive contribution. And right? Alexandro and Alexandro is, is, is gone. Like, yeah, if he plays left he can back, play center be, back at yeah. most, left center back, and to be honest. It leaves a lot to mm. be desired. Um, so Cambiaso really has the opportunity to rack up some minutes this season. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Juve next up, they have, um, pardon me, they have Genoa and Frosinone, which are a few softer fixtures. Obviously, after the recent run that they had, they played Inter, they played Napoli. Yeah. They've had they've had a couple of tough fixtures. Um, so they could have it a bit easier over there. One thing that impresses me about Juve is that they they've played the majority of the big dogs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe they played five of them. They won three and they drew two. Um, they beat Milan. Uh, they they beat Napoli. They drew to Winter. They've uh, against the top seven. They've had a fantastic run, which is something they That's didn't it. have last season. That's it. And. You know, you see, for for example, you watch the Juve-Milan game. You think mm. uh, they won. It was a weird game. Milan got a red card, whatever. Yeah. You watch the game against Atalanta, whatever, they, or, or whoever they played. I can't remember right now. Mm. But every game they seem to win is by fine margins. And it doesn't really stick with you because it's unmemorable and it's unremarkable. However, when mm. you look at the grand scheme of things and you look at the fact that these guys have already played most of the big teams and not even lost once uh-huh. to them, that's massive, you know. And I that's, mean... 
That's and pure un- allegrismo. And they're, they're unbeaten in 10 games. How do they go on a streak like this every fucking season, yeah. man? Keep, yeah. keep in mind, ta. Because this team isn't playing Champions League, which is obviously a massive kind of plus mm-hmm. for their squad, their fitness, so on and so forth. Um, even their focus. But they got second last season. Yeah, yeah. Bro. On, on the pitch, they had second last on season. On the pitch, they had second. Absolutely. So it's yes. not like this it, This was unexpected. This is a team that, that came out I, of nowhere. In our pre, um, pre-season prediction episode, I had mm. Juve to win the league. Wow. And to be honest, I'm not, I'm not backing away from that. I know mm. you are Inter, sorry, are a super team at the moment, um, but it's difficult to see this Juve losing, man. Yeah. And the next games can be quite telling, as you said. Juve have a bit of an easier run, mm. while Inter need to take on Lazio away from home, who are a bit of a bogey team for mm. them. Lazio seem to give them quite a yeah, few problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then after that, they have Lecce. Mm. At home, who and Lecce are quite a, a bitch of a team. So, yeah. so these two match days coming up can can really shift mm. the tides in the table. You know what Inter have that Juve don't, bro? Depth. Well, ah, not even. Um, but their abil- Inter's ability to get a goal is like no other team. They like Napoli but, last season. But it's not like Juve struggle, dude. Juve when. The problem is they don't push for it as much for Juve. Mm. But whenever Juve need a goal, man, they, they get it. Look at the Monza game. They needed a goal. They had like 30 seconds don't left. Don't you think it got... takes them a bit more effort to get a goal than it Inter? Takes them, Inter are crazy It takes scoring. them specific situations. Mm. They need dead ball situations to get a goal. Inter, from open play, will pass the ball around 25 times, play a through ball, Mkhitaryan with the outstep, the ball is mm. freaking spinning like a disco ball, and it comes to Thuram, who just has to literally like knee it into the back of the net. You know, they're, mm. they're super at creating goals out of nothing. <clears throat> they're a fantastic offensive side. Um, and it's a 3-5-2, it's crazy. Like. Yeah. And this Juve have a different approach. Eh? This Juve rely on corners, set pieces, routines, crosses out wide, Kostic mm. spamming seven crosses into the box till eventually one of them goes in, centre-backs going up and scoring. Uh-huh. You know how it is with them. Yeah. Um, just a couple more things before we move on, because I know I've been on this for a while. Um, Osimhen's gesture to the Juve fans... He showed them that they, they were jeering him a bit and he showed them the 5-1, the 5-1 of yeah. uh, last season, which is obviously the, the, the score. What, what do you think of that? So at first I'm like, because Juve had just gone first with that with that victory mm-hmm. and Napoli had gone down to fifth. So I'm mm-hmm. like, is, is this guy... <laughs> we're now fifth and you're first? <laughs> That's yeah. what he's saying. <laughs> but now they're second and sixth. <laughs> so, so I don't think so. Um, salty. Clearly letting it get respect to Osman, obviously, but um, I think when you show a reaction like that uh, and you're like gloating about the past, it's like, it's so irrelevant. It's such an irrelevant argument that, that you beat them 5-1 last season because you were just there and, and, and you lost. Yeah. Yes, um, but perhaps he is reminding them that like, you know, maybe we had a bad day. Look what we did to you. You know, I mean, look, the the Fair. fans were giving him a lot of stick, and he gave them some back. You know, it's it's natural. Um, um, I just think it shows a bit of saltiness. Yes, it does. No, totally, yeah, totally. Mm. He's he's definitely bitter. <laughs> um, he's won the African Player of the Year. What is it? I mean, yeah. it's not it's not surprising. He had one hell of a season last yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Yep, I think we can move on from that. Not without a quick round of applause for Wojciech Szczesny, even though 
naturally he, he did make a mistake that could have caused um Napoli to equalize but that was offside so they spared him some blushes over there Juve are in second just two points behind Inter really putting the pressure on over there wow I just noticed Inter's goal difference is a positive 30 that's fucking ridiculous man wow Napoli in sixth on 24 points Jesus Christ, they are 14 points behind league leaders Inter. Yeah, and last season Milan had the worst title defence ever in Serie A, no? So we'll see if um, if Napoli can so take far, that a year later. Yeah, so far they're all doing that. But to be honest, their, their tough run, Napoli, has come to an end and maybe now is the time for them to really settle and start to put some things yep. together, you know, start to find themselves at the mm-hmm. point. But yeah, we can move on to Atalanta three, Milan two, bro. We can skip it if you want. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to that. For Atalanta, it was the usual three, four, one, two. For Milan, it was kind of the four, three, three thing they've been doing. With but when you look at the heat map, it's all over the place. Like what's happening is Theo Hernandez really playing two positions, and why is Florenzi playing right under his ass? <laughs> um, yeah, for Atalanta, it was basically business as usual. This time with Martin Derun stepping in at centre back as he has been doing. Yeah. Um, Due to their injury crisis over there, he was with Jim City and Scalvini at the back. Um, Coop Miners was in the Czech Artista position, and Decatelare De and Lukman started up front together. For Milan, it was Samuel Chukweze starting out on the right, Musa starting in the middle with Reinders and Loftus Cheek, and of course, um, Florentine left back and Theo in centre back, as yeah. has been the case recently. Of course, once again, Leao still still injured naturally. Mm-hmm. He, he was back. meant to be in the squad and he wasn't even called up. He's apparently back for the Champions League fixture tomorrow or today we'll if you're listening to this in the future. Yeah, uh, my prediction is that Milan um, beat Newcastle, but the other game ends in a draw, so Milan don't go through. Milan need Dortmund to win there eh? because they're already yeah, through. Milan need exactly. Dortmund yeah, to win, so uh, hopefully Dortmund, Dortmund prioritise first place. Look, bro, what are Thursday nights? Thursday nights are Europa nights. Fucking, we move. Bring it on. Bring it on. We move. Bring it on. Yes, bro, this game was um, an intense back and forth struggle, to be honest. Um, It was an emotional roller coaster. And it really showed Atalanta's resilience. Um, and that backheel strike by, by Muriel in the 95th minute really sealed the deal for Atalanta. This, was, the celebration super. had me chewing the remote, yeah. man. Chewing the remote. Just running in circles, like, you know, flailing his wrists mm. around. Like, I can't believe I've just done that. I can't <laughs> believe I've just done that. <laughs> you know, you couldn't believe it so himself. much, man. Yeah, um, the match kicked off with Lukman, of course, netting for Atalanta, and then Giroud had the response with a header on a corner. Um, Lukman's goal was kind of a weird deflection that uh, saw Manian yeah. diving out of the way, deflected off Tomori, and found yeah. its way into the back of the net. Um, Milan responded twice to Atalanta's lead. However, there was a pivotal moment when <laughs> Keita Lari, bro, was played the ball right in front of goal. He had an empty net right in front of him and he managed to sky it somehow and it pretty much summed up his entire time at Milan against Milan, right? Like, I I was obviously, like, glad that he didn't score that, but you can't just help feel bad for him, no, man. He's got, yeah, he's got that, he, he's got such a sad face, you know what I mean? Like, his eyebrows are always like, like no. And even seeing him head in hands, eh? And then it's clear that he's suffering with his confidence, because um, every time he does anything, everyone celebrates. It reminds me of that game last season where Milan fans were so desperate and tired of waiting for Decatur to do something. 
that they started chanting his name randomly just mm. to give him some hope. Mm. And I believe he lost the ball. Like the second they started chanting, he lost the ball. Like, and I, I think there were laughs if I, if I recall. Like, you hear laughter in the in the stands. No. That's that no. shit's traumatic, you know. Not to forget that Milan are still his parent club. Yeah, and it was actually him who set up the second goal for Atalanta. He crossed the ball into Lukman, who smashed it in, um, and everyone literally pointed to him. They went running up to the Catalar. They hugged him. They congratulated him. Whatever. Yeah, um, shortly after that, Benasser um, was brought on. Um, he tried, and Jovic as well brought on to try to salvage the result. Um, eventually, the ball was squared to Jovic by Pulisic, who slotted it home. The man's on form right now yep, for Milan, yep. two goals in two up, games. Keep it keep up, it up. Luka. Yeah, Very why good. not? Like to see that. Um, but then eventually, at the end of the game, um, Calabria decided to drop. A man in midfield, stupidly. Um, I don't know what the hell he was oh, thinking. Oh, but man, there were like, there were fucking five minutes left. There were, uh, you know yes, I mean? but why, why, why? There are five minutes left. You're pushing for a winner. But I don't think it was perfect. It it was a, a, a he clearly went for the ball, missed it, oh, but got it was the man. So clumsy and and reckless, man. Like he yeah, should it's... he should have he, uh, he's no longer. But let a us young not player. let us not allow him to be scapegoated for this. No, 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 no. Definitely not. Definitely not. But that was definitely a, a stupid thing to do. <laughs> If you're the captain of Milan and you're meant to be leading by example and you're meant to be leading the charge to the finish line, the last thing you'd expect your captain to do is to go in rec- recklessly in midfield on a counter-attack that, mm. you know, that, that okay, it, it's dangerous, but it wasn't, it didn't look like it had the potential to lead to a goal. It wasn't a clear goal-scoring opportunity. And mm. I love Calabria, you know, Calabria is a staple of what it means to be a Milan player, coming up from the youth system, going through the shit show that was the banter era and, and earning the captain's armband and playing pretty solidly recently as you well have, last year had the year of his life you should have lifted the Serie A trophy for yeah. Milan and, and speaking on scapegoating Calabria by the way there's, there are people on Twitter right now saying oh because he threw the armband at the end and there's a frozen image of his face looking pissed off and him tossing the armband he literally passed the armband to Pioli like he, he just passed it he tossed it to him gently you see the video like he's just Bro, tossing at, it gently. At, at the time and everyone's like saying if he was even thinking yeah, about the kind, armband what kind of captain is this like what else does this guy have to prove to you that he's Milan through and through like that's that's something I won't ever question with Calabria uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's just that decision man his, his decision making sometimes is woeful and that was that was horrible and that's Perhaps. what eventually cost Milan because suddenly you've got a depleted defense and you're a man down and you've got these guys running at you, Atalanta, who are breaking Milan down so systematically with their passes. Mm-hmm. It was almost like they would, they were, ex- they knew exactly where the gaps were going to be, man. And you have Scalvini charging; he takes a player out of place, and then he passes the ball into the space. Like it's, they were picking the defenders up one by one, passing their way to. How the How does goal. everyone else beat this team? Because when when Milan come <laughs> up against them, it's like <laughs> maybe they have their defenders available. <laughs> that's, that's probably it. But yes, um, that fantastic bit of improvisation by Miranchuk and. Muriel at the end of the game was just incredible, and yeah. um, it was a deserved victory to be honest by by Atalanta. I I thought so. They were always in the driver's seat, yeah. eh, man. Like Milan clearly had to up a gear in order to match the performance of Atalanta over here. Shout out to their fans who were fucking mm-hmm. 
insane during this match, man. And they're, I don't know if you noticed, they're expanding the, the Jewish or Gewis stadium. Of course, it's behind, yeah. behind um, Mike's goal in the first half that was yeah. rather quiet. It's under construction. Rather so, quiet. It, well, <laughs> it was dead, like, obviously. Yeah. They're, they're going to increase their stadium capacity, and that's a pretty good thing, because Atalanta mm. actually do have quite the following. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add from this nightmare of a game. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I think you know what, what I'm gonna say. I, I think have, you know what I'm yes, gonna say. Um, naturally. So, firstly, Atalanta really rose to the occasion. Gasparini loves playing Milan. Gasparini yes. goes into a game with me. It's like if you lose this game, I'm gonna beat the <laughs> shit out of all of you. I'm gonna do to you what I did to Papu. Exactly. That that that's the way he goes into this. Um, Scalvini again, again. Scalvini. That that just one that one particular moment where he he's always rushing up the pitch, but in such a calculated manner. He's like an arrow yeah. running up the pitch. He runs in this straight line. Um, he drags a defender with him. If not, he's in space, and he just adds turmoil. And yeah. he's so quick at tracking back to get back in position. And typically, most of the time. Doesn't matter when Daron's in midfield, you see him tracking back. If not Edison, if not Ruggeri, yeah. if not Pasalic. He has been in recent performances slightly suspect defensively. Granted, he's only 20 years yes. old. However, everything I've seen from this guy is just it's his ceiling, crazy. Bro. It's, it's a ceiling yeah. and, and, and the way he inserts himself. I know himself. which moment you're talking about. Madonna. It was before Manian's fantastic double save, yes. which needs to be addressed because Lukman could have had a hat trick, but Manian literally. Um, saved one of Scalvini's shots after Scalvini double tackled before he got ah, the shot off. Man. And then um, Lukman had pretty much an open net, and Manian sprung to life to to save that. And that's what a goalkeeper like Manian can give you. Mm-hmm. Eh? I mean, he's he's absolutely fantastic. Eh? I mean, it's undeniable. Um, I also want to highlight the fact that people criticize Pioli for not introducing new signings and young players into the squad um, sooner. Right, it's it's a crit- uh-huh. criticism of Pio- Pioli, okay. like um, ah yeah, like bringing on players and the last five. Of course, okay, exactly yeah. taking yeah. so long. Oh, where's Adli been? Where's Adli been? If you look at the trackers and the runners back on 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 each and every mm. one of these Atalanta goals, Chukweza and Adli were responsible for marking their man in the last two goals, mm. and and they just didn't follow through. Mm. And that comes with tactical awareness, tactical discipline, and willing to defend and put your yeah put your foot out for the team, you know, and and. It's clear that sometimes they're not as well drilled, and it does take time to settle mm. into a football team and to know what your role is to really understand. Yeah, your role. I think so. Um, Musa being the only midfielder that got a full ninety minutes mm-hmm. um, in this game. What have you made of Musa so far? Look, I'm because Adli and Ben Nasser he's came better on than I thought he would be. And and mm-hmm. and Ryan Dizic, by the way, unused. Two unused substitutes in midfield, probably thanks to every single Milan fans, every single Milan fan addressing their concerns. Krunic and Pobega warmed the bench for the entire ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah, and Pioli did actually say himself that Krunic isn't having a good moment at the moment. Uh, but mm. uh, and Pobega, let's be real, his um, he's limited. He he's limited. Yes, um, he's not. He's suffering a little bit as well when it comes to confidence. He hasn't really. 
found himself at all. He loses the ball a bit too much, quite frankly. Yeah. I, I like the player. I like what he can do. Same. I appreciate his uh, his style. Perhaps I think this is a little bit too high for him as mm. a level at the moment. I think he could benefit from another loan, personally. Yeah, I think so. But, but Musa, but Musa, saying. yes, for me is um, is an interesting hybrid, right? Um, mm. I kind of like when I see him out wide. Mm. I, I don't mind it. I don't hate it when I see him out wide. I think he's built almost to be a like a winger in a four four two. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's almost his best position. Um, I like that he he's quite technically gifted. To be honest, he's only he's only twenty one years old, so his ceiling isn't isn't that um, that worrisome. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. he's he's all right. Like he's doing fine. This is his first season in Italy, yeah. and. He hasn't blown me away, but he hasn't disappointed me at all. Uh-huh. But yeah, he brings something. He brings something. It's mainly industry, industry and, 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 and speed in midfield and a splash of technique. Yeah, yeah. I think Ryan this to me has been quite disappointing over the last five matches. I think yes um, and no because his skill set and his ability is clear to see that he's a good player. Mm-hmm. It's clear to see. It's his attitude that's disappointed me. Mm-hmm. His unwillingness to pass the ball in the final third and to to really pick out a teammate when he should. If he has a sight on goal, the guy's going to shoot. He's yeah. really, really, really Hungry. thinking about himself, man. Yeah. And that's that's not good. Eh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Shall we move on to Inter Udinese? Yes. Uh, Inter, they put on a spectacular display against Udinese. <laughs> Udinese's only victory... Is in the San Siro against Milan this season. Yeah, is... and then you have this game where everyone and their mother scores. Yeah, exactly. This is the second time they visited um, the San Siro, and and both went very different ways naturally. Um, a four 0 victory um, to go back in first after Juve's momentary overtake. Um, I'm aiming so much. I'm going to stop. Inter had Bastoni back, but they missed Dumfries, De Vrij, and Pavard. Meaning the back three consisted of Bissek, Acerbi and Bastoni. Whilst Darmian played as a right wing back after often recently being used as a right centre back because of their yeah. their injuries. Whereas Udinese, they had, they still had rather Bijol, Davis, Telefeu, Semedo, Brenner and Ebosse on the treatment table. Now the floodgates opened in the 30th minute when Chalanoglu converted a penalty after New Imperius fouled Lautaro Martinez in the box. That's six penalties out of six this season for Chalanoglu. DeMarco doubled the lead uh, five minutes later with an angled drive across the goalkeeper, Marco Silvestri, into the far bottom corner. That's a typical like outside-of-the-boot shot that drives across goal. Yeah. The onslaught continued as Turam added a third goal just before half-time, finishing off a 21-pass build-up. He's just always scoring after over 20 passes, Turam, with a tap-in following a brilliant Mkhitaryan ball that, to be honest, really should have been picked up by a defender, mm-hmm. but a great ball nonetheless. Now, by half-time, Inter had 76% possession, 15 attempts on goal to Udinese's 2, and they had a commanding 3-0 lead. In the second half, they continued to control the game, Odinese had a goal disallowed for offside at a point, and Sommer made a couple of routine saves to keep them uh, to keep the clean sheet. And then Lautaro Martinez put the final stamp on the victory with a powerful strike from outside the box in the 84th minute, after winning the ball back from midfield and bringing the ball up himself. I mean, 
What the hell are you going to say? What, like, what, 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 what can I They absolutely I destroyed them. Everyone was what brilliant. Um, Besek stepped in and looked amazing. Um, Darmian transitioned so naturally and gracefully from centre-back to wing-back, and uh, right wing-back, whatever. He was amazing. Shalanoglu pulling the strings. Mkhitaryan showing that he can still get assists. DeMarco highlighting his prowess. Lautaro still on course to break 30-plus goals a season. And how? Thuram showing that he's probably the... Coop of the season as a mm. free signing coming in and just fitting in so Worldwide, effortlessly. Huh? Yeah, apart from and season. and the Sinter team is just incredible. And the Sudanese team is not an easy team to beat, and they've drawn so many games against mm-hmm. big teams, and they've mm-hmm. even beaten Milan. You know, they're not a they're not a pushover team. Inter Inter kill a team in five minutes. That's what they do. It, it's what they did to Milan in the Champions League. Yeah. It's what they often do. They get the majority of their goal. They smell... They're like sharks. They it's smell like a stun blood. grenade. Exactly. And they, and they attack, 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 yeah. attack. Like here, you see the first goal by Chalnogl, the 37th minute. The third goal, 44th minute. 37, 42, yeah. 44. Like, Fuck off. like, look at that. Yeah, you score in the 37th minute, you're the first goal of the game, and you go into halftime winning 3 0. That's fucking crazy, man. It is. They're, That's crazy. They're really good, man. And I think they are a sleeper pick for for possibly even Champions League winners, huh? Yes, man. Yes, they're, they're there. Because there aren't as many commanding teams at the moment in, mm-hmm. in world football. Now, I don't think that if they were to go up against. Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Manchester City, whatever, that be favourites at all. Mm. They're definitely going to be the underdogs, but that's what they want. Yeah, yeah. That's what they want, man. They James, thrive I in enjoy, that I enjoy watching Inter play so much. I enjoy watching Inter play so I much, can't say man. The same. <laughs> I mean, it sucks, obviously, man, but I, I like to watch football as a bit of a neutral, yes, especially man. if Inter play Sunday, Milan play Saturday, and Milan have won their yeah. game, and, and then it's Inter, and they're just killing it. I'm like, fuck. It's just it, crazy how we're we're so used to re- in recent times, um, whenever Milan had a, a team that's ahead of them in the table drop points, Milan would seem to fumble. Mm-hmm. Or they'd hardly get across the line, right? Yeah. You look at Inter, man. Juventus pulled off a statement victory. They're up against Sudanese and they smashed them 4 0. You know, they, yeah. things don't get to them. Mm-hmm. These guys are soldiers, you know? Yeah. I want to highlight the return of Bastoni. Mm. Kind of forget what a great centre back this guy is because he, he's been out for a while. And much like Scalvini, he's a ball-playing centre-back in a back three. Here you see he's back with 96% passing accuracy. He had a key pass and five successful long balls. We were talking about how Inter's defenders insert themselves in in the midfield. And I think this guy, he's the one that can do it best for Inter. Of course, course. Achebe did it while he was gone. Yes, yes, yes. He's charging up and down the pitch like a horse. Bastoni's got got them legs and, and he can... Yeah. He he could instantly dart into the attacking third. Bro, like. it's it's a great thing that Scalvini is at Atalanta because Inter could easily sell Bastoni for like fucking 40, 50, million, 40, 40 million, and then if Scalvini market. was was at anyone else but Atalanta, poach him for twenty. No, Scalvini Thankfully, needs to come to Milan. Yeah, um, no, no chance. Scalvini, bro, isn't going anywhere for under forty million euros because he's owned by Atalanta, and Atalanta know how to run business. They understand. Bro, make a donation for that. Him, that right. Scalvini is Italian. Scalvini is young, and he's got many minutes under his belt. That's yeah. that's a 30, 40 million euro player. And right he's there. so cute, bro. No, I. I <laughs> 
I hope he doesn't get a, a, an injury because the way he tosses himself into these situations and he's just 19 years... Wait, but this is this is in there, so I'm going to stop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rose got a crush. <laughs> Lautaro, like, I thought he hadn't like scored in a couple of games, you know what I mean? But that's his 14th goal in 15 matches. <laughs> yeah. Bro, yeah. just fucking won the ball back in, in midfield, charged it up, he's like, fuck it, I'm shooting from distance and he... Obviously got the fourth goal over there. Inter. Every Lautaro celebration is immaculate. Yes. He like rises on the stands, opens mm. his arms. The fans are like right in his face, banging mm. his teammates around. And it seems to take longer uh-huh. than other players' celebrations. It's almost like like Lautaro is the the embodiment of this Inter team. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. He's almost immaculate. He's, he's a godly figure mm-hmm. almost at mm-hmm. the moment. At this, yeah, he's at this the face Inter of side. their team. He is, man. Wow. Like he's, his form has been stupendous and apparently he's going to renew. Madonna, man. He's, he's, he's going to be one of the fucking legends of this Inter team. If he gets a second Scudetto for them, especially, man. And obviously they have a Champions League final with I him. I can't believe Allegri's our he only hope. He <laughs> No, bro, fucking Graham Potter as well, apparently. Graham Potter. Who played a lovely brand of football at Brighton before the Zerbi. Brighton were doing great with Graham Potter before the Zerbi. He did shit with Chelsea. And everyone does shit with Chelsea. But anyway, Inter, first, a goal difference of 30, which is mad, obviously. Udinese, 17th. Level on points with Empoli in 18th. They're in trouble this They're year. They're in trouble. Yeah, and um, it's weird because they have they have a good team. The problem is they didn't get many wins, right? Uh, they started off really badly and they were just drawing every game. And now Choffi needs to try piece the things together yeah. again. Um, Samardzic over here, by the way, he played against Inter, who he, he, he yeah. pretty much signed for <laughs> last summer. Yeah. By the way, bro, um, Lorenzo Luca goal next week. Yes. I'm telling you from now. He's going to score for sure. Let me tell you who they're playing against because I can feel... Sassuolo, bro. It's going to happen. Lorenzo Lucca goal. Lorenzo Lucca goal against Sassuolo. Then this time, actually play him on Fanta. Which gets two goals and he's on your bench. I'm playing him. Don't worry. I did my thing today. Okay. Now, um, (laughs) we can, I think, discuss the Roma 1-Fiorentina 1 game. Yes. A boxing match. This was... It was an absolute boxing match. One of the many this week. Um, Roma looked to be at perhaps not full strength, but pretty much there. They had Lukaku and Dybala up front. They had Christensen, who has been awarded another start after that brilliant performance, as Zal- we predicted. Yep, Zalewski out on the left, um, and then the usual three at the back mm-hmm. of Mancini, Lorente, and Indica. One of the three Christensens in uh, Serie the- A, and they all play on the right, and <coughs> that's so confusing, right? Mm-hmm. Which is your favorite one? I did this one. I like this one. Lazio's is good as well, but he hasn't yeah. quite cemented himself. The Bologna one's there. lost for now. Yes, he really yes, hasn't yes, shown yes, anything. Yes. He's, he's, he's coming up. Yeah. He's coming up. But this one's my favorite. Yeah, this one's a, a workhorse. You this know, one. it's fun, fun to work. <laughs> this one, this Chris over here. <laughs> but yes, um, yeah, for Fiorentina, it was Mbala and Zola up front. Lord knows why. <laughs> Bonaventura in the pocket, of course, with Duncan and Arthur in the tri- in the um, register position, the double pivot. Um, and Coyote started on the right um, as the right back, who's a very promising player. Um, yeah, Luca Ranieri was at centre-back because they 
This, I think Milenkovic must have not been fully fit because Milenkovic was um, on the bench and he actually got sent off from the bench and he was against me on fantasy football. That's and, crazy. Yeah, it, That's crazy. it didn't go through. But anyway. Can I ask you a question before Please. we get in? Where's Nico Gonzalez? <laughs> Is it happening again? Is he once again emotionally no, no, unavailable? No, no. He came on. He came on this game. Um, I'm sure it was a tactical decision, or maybe I don't know. He hadn't tactical against well. Roma. They're 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 key players. They're honestly, struggling for honestly, goals. Honestly, 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 if Cagliari can keep Luvumbo on the bench for 65 minutes in a one in a must-win match, and they keep the likes of. Okay, maybe you tell me Pavoletti always scores at the end and he doesn't have a full 90 minutes in him. Okay, so they have Pavoletti, Petania, Luvumbo, Eldor, Shomorodov all starting on the bench. Then clearly there's something about an impact sub, right? Because you bring on Nico Gonzalez into a game where everyone's been running for 70 minutes and suddenly you're introducing this rabid dog of a South American fucking bull. Yeah, he's, he's aggressive, bro. And he, and he presses and he fights for every ball and he's good in the air. So maybe it's not the worst idea to, to bring him on late into the mm. game. In place of Jorko. In, in the place of Jorko, who's absolutely blind. Um, <laughs> but yes, let's get into what happened this game. Um, Roma were aiming to close in on Milan in third spot. And the game ignited early on as Lukaku's header off of Dybala's assist after a lovely Cristante backheel. Um, was it a backheel? It was kind of a, a forward pass, kind of a... I'm not sure if it was a... It was a sideways pass, not a backheel pass. A sideways pass to Dybala, who crossed it in brilliantly to Lukaku, who headed it home. And that was the early advantage Very for good goal Roma. by Roma. Lovely goal. Very lovely, goal. lovely team goal. They just turned the pace like mm-hmm. that when they have Dybala on the pitch. But, of course, that wouldn't last very long, as um, Dybala missed a clear opportunity um, shortly after, after Zalewski mm-hmm. played him through. He was on the penalty spot. And he fucking missed, he didn't manage to convert, whatever. Um, shortly after that, in the 25th minute, the baller was substituted with an injury. Um, didn't look too serious from his face, you know, judging by his, the look on his face. But he, it's, it's a shame to see what's happening to this player. Yeah, but but I think they've, they've it, I feel like it's the same thing Milan kind of do with Pulisic, where if there's a slight concern, yeah, yeah, yeah. take him take out. Him out. Like, Protect take him. him out. Protect him. Yeah, um, after this, of course, in Zola missed a golden opportunity after he was played through. Bonaventura came agonizingly close as he hit the crossbar. Um, he cornered, didn't open his eyes, and then passed the teammates who were in ample space. Um, yeah, and then later on in the second half, that's when tempers flared and everything just really picked up, you know. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, Zalewski got sent off. Yep. He got sent off. Uh, it was a double yellow card. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite uh, just naive before, by the player. Just before that, Dybala's replacement, Azmoon, yeah. went off injured. Went off injured, of course. Yes. <laughs> That's, so it's a curse. It's the position that, mm-hmm. must, be a, that must be a problem. Yes, so, uh, Zalewski tends to be a little bit naive at times. Yes, of course. He's still young, right? Uh, he received a red card. Then Fiorentina increased the pressure. And their goal-scoring centre-back, who's an absolute joy to watch... Lucas Martinez Quarta headed the goal like with one of those backwards flicks into the back of the net. Dude, Martinez Quarta is just running all over the place. If if 
if Fiorentina are defending, he's there. If they're mm-hmm. attacking, he's there. He's just yeah. everywhere, going up and down, man. He's, yeah. And he's got great technique for a centre-back as well. He really does, man. He yeah. really does. And really that does. eye for goal he has. Yeah, just pop him up front. What are you doing playing in Zola? <laughs> Honestly, man, this guy's goal prowess is so much better. Um, he might be one who Inter could poach. Perhaps. If, if they want Especially another another centre-back who advances. They need to buy a defender in, in um, yeah. January. But unfortunately, their funds, I'm not sure if it would allow them. So, Quarta came home, to, came close to a personal brace later on, but um, but he didn't manage to get the ball over the line. And the temperatures rose even further as Lukaku, who would have been clean, clean through on goal after a long ball, his fa- his first touch failed him. Mm-hmm. He was dispossessed. The ball was played to Kwame on the wing. Lukaku tracked back the entire way. Head down, running at full speed, just charging at Kwame, slid in, like not even slid in, he flung himself in, studs up, completely missed the ball, mm-hmm. collided with Kwame, tore his sock, like in the, in the slow motion replay, you see his sock tearing, like, Jesus. and drops him to the ground. That could have been a real leg breaker, yeah, it was a yeah, horrible yeah. challenge by Lukaku. Yeah. Straight red, Look, straight fact, red, right after you see Italiano, Italiano was. Fuming, he was uh-huh. furious. Then you see Mourinho looking around like he was a victim. Mm. Like, can you believe this? <laughs> he sent him off for that. Like, of course he sent him off for that. That was mm-hmm. attempted murder. <laughs> but yeah, um, there was, there was Lukaku a... had often been criticized for his first touch, particularly in the Premier League. Exactly, and um, Zlatan called him a donkey as well. And uh, and the implication of a donkey um, in football terms is someone with a terrible touch, right? Mm. Mm. Or someone with low IQ, rather, as a football player. But that's definitely yeah. not Lukaku. He's a very, very intelligent player. Someone that lacks technique and lacks elegance, so yeah. to say, a donkey. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much spot on. There were nail-biting seven minutes of stoppage time added. Um, they saw hope for Fiorentina, but ultimately the referee showed um, another red card to Melenkovic on the bench this time. And mm. um, the game ended with Roma in fourth place alongside Bologna. Um, yeah, and that's it, pretty much. Yeah, well, like, I think Fiorentina, um, so Roma as well, similar to what we said about Sassuolo, even though I haven't even addressed that game yet, Mm -hmm. um, there was a self-destruct button over here, and and that was caused by, let's say, I wouldn't even say inexperienced by Zalewski, because he has seen the stage now, he got a lot of playing time last season, so disappointing for him to get the two yellow cards in the manner in which he, he got them. I think that really threw his team under the bus. And in fact, the first goal for Fiorentina, their only goal, came just two minutes after. Mm-hmm. But I think Fiorentina, once they went down and they knew that Roma were going to be very pragmatic moving forward, Fiorentina brought a fight. They they turned the heat up themselves in the game. And they made it a fight. Roma fought. And Fiorentina managed to get back into the game because they did manage to get their players sent off. So I think if you can't beat them by being the better team, then beat them by making it a scrap, man. And they managed to make it a scrap and that's how they got a point out of this Absolutely, man. But I'm not sure if it's Italiano's system. We've discussed this heavily and in great depth. Um, I, I just can't understand how... 
Fiorentina have so much of the ball and seem to push forward so much and to create so much, but nothing is converted. And it's like the strikers are always isolated. They can never But if they the want that to be better, why don't they play Nico Gonzalez for a full 90 minutes? I'm sorry I'm going to say this again, but like Icone, he's nowhere near the level Nico Gonzalez. Nico Gonzalez can even score headers, for example. Yeah, yeah, he scored yeah. multiple headers this But maybe season. that was the thing. Maybe he wanted someone to play further away from those centre-backs, considering the absolute sheer size of Mancini, Laurentiis, and Dica. But, okay, so... But he did win a header at respect. the end, Nico Gonzalez. So Bonaventura had a good goal-scoring opportunity. He had uh-huh. this... The shot was on, like... Mm. And instead of shooting, he seemed to chip the ball. And the commentator went, Why did he chip? Mm. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Nico fucking flies in his head. That's what I'm talking but, about, man. But Patricio saved it, yeah. Patricio uh, had a good game. He did have a good game. But but my, my thing is. Maybe he wasn't fully fit, bro. There must be a reason he's benching one of his best players. It, you know? it, it could be. Unfortunately, for some reason, I don't have this information because I look it up and fucking yeah, so nothing. Yeah, like... I mean, we're not going to know. But. In Zola. Yes. Not a fan. So, same, right? Mm-hmm. He has qualities that I'm a massive fan of, right? But I'm not, personally. I think that for for a lowly come on, team... We, we know what you know what I'm talking about. Yes, but, but it's that not... That game for oh, Spezia, yes. the strength, the okay. hold-up play. He has qualities that when he's on, I am a fan of. Look, man... Um, but that, that's, not, that's not my major point. Relegated Spezia and then moved to Fiorentina. I wouldn't say single handedly. <laughs> he missed the penalty in the playoff. Well, but he was <laughs> the top scorer for fucking four seasons in a row in Serie A, three yeah. seasons in a row. He helped he helped them survive for three seasons. Um but like in Zola, like you're saying, he's not very refined up front. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have certain technique. I think Zlatan could have very much aimed the offensive through at Lukaku. <laughs> At Inzola, it would have a better place over there. So he needs players around him. If he's going to play with his back towards goal and if he struggles to get goals, he needs players around him that can finish. So, okay, he's got Bonaventura behind him. Then he's got Icone on one side, who double the point I made about Inzola is applied to Icone because, like you said, he doesn't open his eyes. Oh man, he had he had Bonaventura wide open mm. at one point, wide open, man, and and the pass was so on, and he had so much time to play it, and he just didn't look up, man. He was looking mm-hmm. at the ball the entire time. Like you're 25 years old, you've been playing football professionally for how long, and you don't look up there. So I think I I, I yeah. would be pissed off as a Fiorentina fan of Nico start and also like Beltran not not coming on earlier. For example, yeah, um, you look at when, when was fucking one second, seventy second minute he was brought on Nico Gonzalez for a corner. Yeah. So clearly, I, I think it must have been a fitness issue, and I think Beltran yes is injured by the way, so he was unavailable for this one. He's on the bench, but I think he's just recovered, so he didn't uh-huh. he didn't bring him on for that reason because he was um, sidelined for a bit. Could be. But yeah, um, again, man, maybe the whole Inzola playing 90 minutes thing was to match the the physical power of their Mm -hmm. centre-backs, but I don't think that... um, I think the centre-backs were too intelligent and too experienced for Inzola. They didn't show him a a second and the one opportunity he had, he didn't make the most of it at all. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, um, when it comes to the wingers, they left a lot to be desired and even with nine men, they seemed to really struggle to, to crack this Roma side. Yeah. Um, a fun moment from the game was when Mourinho gave a sheet of paper to one of the ball boys oh, who yeah. ran up to um, <laughs> Rui Patricio to, to show him a new formation. Mm. It seemed to say, 
um, El Sharawi on the left and Bove up front and like Eserno, so exit. Okay. I think it was something like that. So probably a, a, an offensive counter-attacking mm. system for when you're down to nine men. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. But don't I, I almost forgot we had that FIFA game where I got three red cards. Bro, oh, recently, yeah. oh, yeah. That? Oh, yeah. But anyway, back, yeah. Back, back to our podcast. Bro is Roma. <laughs> um, yes, um, Roma are currently in fourth place, as I said, tied on points with Bologna, of course, 25 points. While Fiorentina are in seventh place with 24 points. Salernitana one, Bologna two. Brother, I, I believe you won this bet. You said Bologna are going to get their first away win of the season. And I thought the curse would persist, personally. I thought it would be a 1-1 really? or something. What I didn't expect, bro, was a Simeon Wang goal. Oh, the, the wank, The bro. wank. The fucking wank. The wank. Um, like I said, Bologna's first away win this season. Um, this temporarily propelled them into fourth position, but they're now fifth level on points with fourth-placed fourth Roma. Then the hosts got their first. <laughs> that, that that was a dreadful. Uh, my voice, cra- <laughs> my voice cracked while emming. That was crazy. You're not usually an emmer. Huh? I'm more of an emmer than you are. I am. You I am. am. Uh-huh. I try. But your M's are confident. They're like, ah, you know, you throw them out like fucking. I don't you're... like it, man. Sometimes, in fact, I just go silent yeah. for like three seconds. That's me avoiding the end. Is that better though? Everyone says it's it's like if you take a public speaking course, they say don't M, just stay quiet and exactly. think. Exactly. Like, exactly. But you know, Ming shows that you are thinking. But the power in the silent. Power in the silent. Power in the silent. The hosts got their first win of the season against Lazio, but it was quickly followed by a 3-0 thrashing at Fiorentina, so they remained rock bottom. Pippon Zaghi faced his former club without Guillermo Ochoa, who was replaced by Costil. Shit. Oh, did a great job, eh? (laughs) (laughs) He was woeful, bro. Bro. You know, and I used to say that when Brahim used to shoot, he used to go. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and like when he made that save, he went like, ah! <laughs> I can't believe that that save. He kind of just rolled it back to to Zergzi, man. Literally, yeah. like it was so unnecessary. Mm. But, but anyway. Bologna had a lengthy list of absentees, including Ricardo Orsolini, who I can't wait to see him back, uh, Bonifazi, De Silvestri, Sao Mauro, Jasper Carlsen, and El Azuzi. Now, in the opening minutes, Bologna took the lead through Ho Adadan, Joshua Zergze, capitalizing on a weak save attempt by Salernitana's goalkeeper, Costil. It was a Stefan Posh strike, low, soft, now, a safe you could have easily hung on to, I feel. Yeah. But he really made a meal of it. Really made a meal of it. He was way off his line. So he had less reaction time for a really slow shot. And on impact, it's like he just rolled the ball to Zergze. Just, just a really, really amateur kind of move. It's like he's never gotten down low to save a shot in his life. Um so Zergzi, easy goal for him over and there. And it's not like the player, it's not like this keeper isn't match fit because he was playing in France last season. He had 19 appearances in France. And the season before that, he was even with Bordeaux where he got 25 appearances. So this guy's used to playing. Mm. Like He hasn't impressed me too much, Costil. Not so much. He's, and he's also 36 years old. So he's he's no spring chicken. Mm. He, he, 
he could be Giroud, like he could actually be Giroud. <laughs> they look so alike. Yeah. <laughs> Zergze continued his impressive form, anticipating a defensive error. This was a, a terrible back pass. Um, and he just dribbled the keeper in classic Zergze fashion and he finished into the empty net. Was you that Matsuki? That gave the pass, yeah. I believe so. Matsuki, I believe so. Right? Yeah, just ter- classic. Terrible pass. Yeah, with a, you know, a, a striker, he needs to be in the right place at the right time, he needs to read the, the slow pass. Brilliant. Zergze, so saucy, man. Mm. Now, Salernitana's coach, Peponzagi, made a few tactical changes. Um, in the 34th minute, he switched to a back four, aiming to address like the defensive vulnerabilities that were going on. The alteration seemed to inject some life into Salernitana's style of play, with Bulaya Dia coming close to scoring from a volley shortly after. And then after that, um, the match became very physical, much like the Roma-Fiorentina match. There were six yellow cards for Salernitana players particularly Alexis Salemakers, who endured very rough treatment from Salernitana. They were kicking yeah, him, they were yeah, pelting yeah. him, and tempers flared even more towards the end. And there was even a lighter thrown at Salemakers from the stands. Um, then Fazio, Salernitana's Fazio, was sent off for a descent towards the closing moment. So Salernitana, rock bottom, them and their curva and, and, and all of this, they really, really lost their cool of course, towards yeah. the end of the game. Like, much like Fiorentina, they tried to turn it into a, a, a scuffle. Salernitana right? are lost. They need their fans more than anyone right now. You, I, ideally, probably, you look at it... Um, the teams fighting for survival are the ones whose fans can really influence them the most. Yeah. They can make the environment hostile. These games are usually not as not as big, not as not as watched. So you get away with a bit more, you know. Yeah, yeah. If it's a Juve Inter game, for example, you can't be as reckless as a fan, no. like as a fan base. No. In front. But on this kind of scale, you get away with it. And Salernitana fans, their fans are. are Experts at doing this, at creating a hostile environment, at taking the piss out of the players on the pitch, at lobbing stuff at them, putting up banners that will get a reaction out of them, mm. chanting like provocative chants, of course, and that's yeah. that's what they do, Salernitana, and they almost got back into it. I'm yeah. with that Simeon Wankwo goal. Yeah. They pulled a goal back with 15 minutes remaining when the Wank scored from a well-taken shot from the edge of the box. Um, this however. Is- they um they didn't manage to get away with anything from this game, but the wank is back. Dude, the duality of Simi and Wankwo. Did you see? Okay, so in the seventy fifth minute, he took that shot with perfect technique. Remember, mm-hmm. lanky six foot six Nigerian striker Simi mm-hmm. and Wankwo. Right when he shoots the ball, this guy has to fold himself in half to be able to aim it accurately. Mm-hmm. He is a a really interesting player to watch. He executes that shot with perfect, flawless technique first time to the bottom right corner after Kondreva plays it to him, right? And then in the 90-something minute, he's played the ball. It's an even better chance than the first one, and he has even more time to think about it. He shoots it, and it's awful technique, misses the target. It looks like it was his first shot ever. Like, <laughs> So I don't understand how a player can be so moody, how he can display yeah. such... Technical excellence, like, and then just hit the ball so badly. Mm. But it's not been his season. Uh, that, that goal was the only, I think, positive touch he's had of the football. Because uh-huh. otherwise, he's, he misplaces it. He's really clumsy on the ball this year. Hopefully, it's the start of something. I hope then. so. I hope they really need him. Uh-huh. Um, how much of a level 
below our Salernitana this season. Then the rest. Then the the rest of the nineteen teams in Serie. A. Honestly, it's not that remarkable a difference. Mm. Like it's it's quite tight. They're still very much alive. I believe they're on eight points in fifteen matches. Y- yes, they're on eight points. But then you look in, like you know, Udinese are out of the relegation pool with twelve points. Not so doable. Like yeah. Um, I think when it comes to quality, if you look at their rivals, you look at okay, Cagliari have a lot more spirit than mm-hmm. Salernitana do. Sassuolo have more um, more technical ability. They're more mm-hmm. gifted. They're more skilled. You know, they're better players. Udinese also have better players, and they can be quite tight and difficult to break down. Empoli as well look like they're better drilled, and they are more tacli- tactically mm. apt than um, Salernitana. And then there's Hellas Verona, who I think are pretty on par with Salernitana, but they're also a tough nut mm-hmm. to crack at times. For me, Salernitana are probably the worst team in the league. Yeah, yeah, pro- probably so far this season. I want to make a correction. It wasn't Mazzocchi who made the error. Who was it? It was Lovato. Lovato played the ball the back. Mistake. Oh my God. Yes, okay. yes Lovato. In fact, okay. he got a grand rating of five. Because it was um, played from Matsuki's position. Yeah, from the right-hand yeah. side. But to be honest, yeah, quite, quite closer to the box. Um, yeah, man, I think, I think Salernitana, one thing they lack is, you, you can't say that they, that they lack spirit because they do have spirit as a team. But yeah. it's like their players, none of them are consistent. And it's like... Many of their key guys seem to be new. So you have Kandreva, mm. poor guy. He's, he's he's no spring chicken as well. Like uh-huh. he's thirty six years old. You know, you look at Matsuki, who was kind of like a half a season merchant, where he mm-hmm. had half a season where he was great, and then he kind of dipped back uh-huh. to to being average. You know, Bulaedia doesn't even want to be there anymore. So they've lost him. So they've brought in Ikumwezi, and all the pressure in the world is on him. Um, Legovsky wasn't there last season. Brother, which is bang average at the moment mm-hmm. you know the defense leaves a lot to be desired without Ochoa they have a goalkeeper who's a bit of a vulnerability their manager is his level is probably Serie B you that, know? that's that's one thing I, I, I want to address I mean I don't want to shit on a manager too early yeah but like you're struggling for survival and you bring in Piponzaghi who's been in one relegation battle with Benevento and he lost <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, is is in is fact this the bro. time to have so much faith in in a manager? In and fact. I think like Sousa had shown us what he can do with Salernitana. He improved David and Nicola's side, and I'm not saying that it's excusable that he had such a shit start to the season because if you need to sack your manager, you sack your manager and inject new life. But Christ, man, get in 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 that case. Get someone that's been there and that's helped team survive because Salernitana three seasons ago, two seasons ago, when they were battling relegation, they were dead last for ages. They went to three managerial changes, well, two managerial changes. Yes, they sacked their first coach, appointed another one, and then they had another coach and they got David and Nicola yes. on board. And Nicola had helped them survive, exactly. Um, yeah, absolutely. And the fans are fully aware that the, the direction that the team's heading towards is not ideal and in fact scattered around the city of Salerno right now are many banners made by the Salernitana faithful mm. against Ervolino the sport mm. the, the owner of the club and one of them is like I, I saw the Ervolino 
Piccolo Uomo, small yeah. man, uh, um, Yervolino out, you know, things like that, like scattered around the city, you know. It's uh, it's just not a well-run club. And now what will happen in January, as we know, which is only, by the way, a month away, um, Salernitana will probably bring in nine players, nine course, random players, two of them that we will... They won't yeah. have Dia. Yeah, their entire team is going to AFCON, it's crazy. Koulibaly is going as well. Um, it's not going to be good for them. That's going to be a very, very see rough me. period. But we'll see what they can do, man. Um, usually, their January signings are pretty good. Yeah. Bologna, quick word of praise, naturally. Obviously, we all know that they are in a higher position than one would have anticipated. But, wow, this team can really... In this game, okay, maybe they didn't show everything that we've seen so far. But they got a, they got a victory that is... It has them high up, man. It has them in fifth level on points with fourth place drama. Salernitana, on the other hand, 20th on eight points in 15 yes. matches. And Bologna once again exercising their depth by playing Remu Freuler this game, who I'm surprised doesn't um, play more often. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, bro, um, that leaves us, that brings us to the highlight of the. Yeah. Of the finally, man. Yeah, finally. Here we are, bro. Cagliari 2. Sassuolo won. So one thing I love about Claudio Ranieri, as I mentioned earlier this episode, is he likes to keep his guns in the holster until mm. he really needs them, you know. So he'll keep the likes of Petania, Luvumbo, Eldor, Shomorodov on the bench. He started this game with a flat 4-4-1-1 classic. He had Scuffet in goal, who, by the way, I saw him, I was like, ah, Cranio. Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's a Cranio. This is this, this Cagliari. Guy looks just like Cranio. So, like, yeah. goalkeepers in Serie A, I think they ran out of faces to generate. So, they're just putting, like, Giroud, Cranio, <laughs> and just generating common faces. Literally. But anyway, um, it was the usual back four. This time, it was Oristano starting out on the right and Nathan Nandes starting out on the left. Nathan Nandes played a terrible game. He was full of industry. His work rate was remarkable. He fought and fought and fought and fought, but none of his crosses seemed to land and he was eventually substituted. Sulemana and Prati were in the middle with Viola playing behind Lapadula. Do you know what back. the right way to pronounce Nandez's first name is? Nahitan? No, it is. It's like you're saying Nathan, but you're Ed from Ed Edinedi. Nathan! 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 Okay. Now, um, for Sassuolo, it was Dumb and Dumber in defense with Erlich and Ruan. <laughs> Uh, Matthias Vinia out on the right, Tolian on the sorry, Vinia on the left, Tolian on the right. A double pivot of Rachic and Henrique with Thorsvet as the Trequartista, and he started the game with a full set of teeth. Um, Castillo out on the right, of course, Pinamonti up front and Lauriente on the left. Um, I feel like this team changes a bit, so might as well read the lineup. Mm. Jake, so, please. Dove Berardi. Um, Berardi eh, Fortunato Sì Non è Non è Fortunato Non è, non è fortunato <laughs> Perché è Infortunato Perché tre malad Perché tre malad <laughs> Berardi was unavailable for this game Cagliari were denied a goal by a goal line clearance In the first half And Thorsved clashed with Sulemana And lost two teeth After receiving some treatment On the on the sideline, he actually stayed on. 
which is Crazy, which is right? mental. I and couldn't believe it. He was the first warrior this game because um, in the second half that's when the action really picked up. Um, in the first half, sorry, of course, it's meant. I should mention that um, Dom scored. Erlich, mm-hmm. Erlich yeah. scored the header. <laughs> okay. Dumb. And then in the second half, Dummer got sent off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for a second yellow card, and Dummer, of course, is Ruan Tresoldi. Um, obviously, this isn't a jab at the personnel. It's more of a jab at um, Sassuolo's centre backs in general, who never yeah. seem to perform well. And Ruan Tresoldi is so clumsy. So listen clumsy. back to season one. Our victim was Vlad Kirikes. Kirikes, man, it's like everything he would touch would turn to shit. Literally. Um, Luvumbo was brought on in the second half, and that's what sparked the the comeback for for Cagliari. Um, as he was brought on, the second he was brought on, um, Vinya's job seemed to be hit him as hard as you can, yeah. affect him. You know, make this guy uncomfortable. Don't let him play confidently. So the first time Luvumbo got the ball, Vinya charged him, dashed into him maliciously, like. Fouled him and hit him in the in the face with his elbow, kind of uh, as he was landing. Mm. Um, Lovumbo was clearly, clearly, clearly hurt by it. You know, he got up, he shook it off. Then he got the ball again. Vinya came to 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 like aggressively mark him again, and Lovumbo dribbled him three times. I kid you <laughs> not. He went left, then right, then left again. He was just taking the piss out of him. And this is when I was like, all right, this is serious. These guys mm. are. So you have one guy playing on Sassuolo who's got two missing teeth. Mm-hmm. The other guy who's just been clattered and he's taking the piss right now. And then Ruan Tresoldi's red card for kicking Lapadula in the face was horrible. He broke his nose yeah. and his eye flared up. It, it was so swollen the second it happened that his eye was closed, one of his eyes. Once again, he, re- he received some treatment, probably got some some kind of um, anesthetic or something for his, for his eye. And then it seemed to actually go down, the swelling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he continued playing again with a warrior, Lapadula is... So it's the dying moments of the game, right? Uh, ah, no, sorry. Um, Vinny actually tried to go in hard on Lovumbo again and went in so hard he injured himself and was substituted through injury. Jesus. So he hurt himself trying to hurt someone else. Yeah. yeah. Um, very, very naughty player over here, Vinny. Vinny, oh. So yes, it's the dying moments of the game. We are talking the 93rd minute over here. So Swallow are a man down, but they're 1-0 up. Cagliari have been pushing and pushing and pushing all game, but none of their crosses seem to be landing, right? 93rd minute. Luvumbo crosses it in. Lapadula takes a touch, volleys it, slight deflection, back of the net, goal. Celebrates, his nose is broken, you know, he does that thing where he puts his hands to his ears and his, yeah. his nose is literally Everyone's sideways. Everyone's sprinting back Everyone's for sprinting Cagliari. back, man. They, they've got fucking yeah. a couple minutes left. Everyone's yeah. sprinting back, it's like, let's get the win over here. We're so much better than them right now. There were seven minutes of added time, right? It was the 97th minute. The ref looks at his watch. He's like, you know what, man, that goal kick took a while. There was the goal. We give them an extra minute. No. Mm. 98th minute. <clears throat> a cross goes in. Shomorodov knocks it back. Leonardo Pavoletti, who was brought on late. Bicycle kicks the ball into the back of the net, man. Madonna, man. Scenes like everyone is screaming, people crying. It was just unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. What a game of football. Yeah. This Cagliari team, man. They the they embody. man. They embody what it means to be a football fan. This game had everything in it. Absolutely everything. It mm. had drama. It had great goals. You know, it had 
competitive spirit, crazy competitive spirit it had. You know, you look at the yellow cards, that was a bloodbath, man. That was a bloody fun game to watch, man. Oh, man. Oh. And it and came on a Monday night. I wasn't expecting I got, such I got good. home just in time because I was working late oh, and, yes. until, like, like I literally got home at 8.45, flicked it on. The beginning I was uh, prepping for this episode. Um, but obviously, you know how it is. You, you're mainly watching the game. And then, yeah. thankfully, I literally shut my laptop in, like, the 75th minute. So I forgot to mention I, I missed a massive part. Oh, While Sassuolo were 1-0 up towards the the end of the game, we're talking the 80-something minute over here. Bloody, they're counter-attacking Sassuolo. Uh, Mulatiri has the ball and he's charging and I'm wondering, is he going to actually play the right pass over here? He seems to hang on to it for too long. Then he lets go perfectly, unleashing a player 1v1. Instead of shooting, the player squared it across to Bayrami. Mm-hmm. And Bayrami finished into the back of the net. There was a long VAR check, a very long check, very long check. And then we saw why afterwards, because it was yeah. offside. In fact, that's why there were the seven was, minutes added. Exactly, that too. And the offside was so marginal. Margin, it was bro. closer than Keane's. It was tighter yeah. than Keane's offside. And that was the tightest I, I'd ever seen. I do think there should be a limit where you allow the goal. Anyway. I don't like know, that, that, that was fucked. It was it's black or white. Hey, if he's man. slightly offside, he's offside. You know, it's 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 not enjoyable, but that um, would have changed the outcome of absolutely. the game entirely. They would have been tuned up, man. It would have been a victory for Sassuolo. Just that's how tight this. That's how good this game was. Drama, man. A mm. roller coaster from beginning to end. Yeah, and amazing, bro. Who is your favorite player on this Cagliari team? I like. How do you pick it's, one? It's it's one of the one of the goal scorers. Um, La Padula or, or Pavoletti, what you're looking at over there, man, in my opinion, now they're not like actual legends of the game, but to me, they are iconic faces of Serie A, these they two are. guys. And the thing that I like about Cagliari is that, so you look at the newly promoted sides, you look at Frosinone that are basically a bunch of kids, very offensive with a lot of loanies brought in. <clears throat> You look at Genoa, there are a lot of big players who were misfits in different places and have been amalgamated together to create this dangerous mm-hmm. dynamic. Or up-and-coming players, up well, and, like Goodmanson uh-huh, and Retegui. Uh-huh, as well, yeah. as well. But Retegui as well, he was quite well-renowned. Uh-huh. Um, Malinowski as well. Messias as well. Yeah. Like they, They've got more stardom yeah, to like them, Genoa. Strutman. Cagliari are the hard workers. Cagliari are the industrious players. Cagliari are the Lapadulas, they're the Pavolettis, the they're the Violas, they're the Nandeses. They are these guys, man. They are the fucking working they're, class. Look, I love Lapadula. Huh? Yeah, I love Lapadula too. He's a he's a player. He's a he's a great man over anything. A yeah. serious professional, and that's what that's what many of these guys are. Serious professionals, man. Mm. And they're fucking give me a team. Now is it ideal? It's debatable. But there are three strikers. I love it, man. Are Lapadula, Pavoletti, and Petania. <laughs> Talk about having foxes in the boxes, like. And then there's Shomorodov. Talk about having tanks well. in the bank, am I right? Uh, fucking talk about having wanks in the shower. What? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
hope I, I don't know. I like I like um, Nicolas Viala as well a lot. Super player. He's, he's, cool he's the glue. Well, he's man. the glue. He yeah. he like gels midfield to the mm-hmm. attack. And um, as well, Zito Lovumbo is just so much fun to watch. And yeah. I think he's actually the one over here who's destined for a big move. Out of mm-hmm. all these guys, he's a level above. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, many of these guys were playing in Serie B. It's not like they bought a bunch of players. And yeah. uh, it's nice to see that they stuck around together as a group because these guys got promoted through the playoffs. Yeah. And they showed great spirit. The exact same type of spirit in the playoffs as well. They've been doing this since last year, guys. I mean, as, they, as Pavoletti well. scored winners in, at the end of games. You had Lovumbo dribbling goalkeepers as well yeah. against Bari and all that. Oh. La, Padula, La Padula last season in the Serie B and, and in the playoffs, he was fucking ri- ridiculous, man. Yeah. He was Robin Van Persie. <laughs> <laughs> But you you look at just what, firstly, just look at the results Cagliari have had in recent times this season. So they got off to a bit of a disappointing start. Then they draw to Torino and then they played Inter, Bologna, then they drew to Udinese, they lost to Atalanta, they lost to Milan, they lost to Fiorentina, they lost to Roma. They had a really, I remember us addressing the tough spell they had and then they even, and, and then there, there was the 2-2 draw to Salernitana. And then you see it begins. The 4-3 victory against Frosinone. What a comeback. What a comeback. They go on to the Coppa and they eliminate Udinese. Cagliari do that. They come back to Serie A and they beat Genoa at home. Two goals to one. And then they lose to Juve. Two goals to one. Come back. They hold Monza, who are no fucking joke. Yeah. <clears throat> they lose to Lazio 1-0 marginal and they had like the red card during that game and then they come back in the manner in which they did against Sassuolo you're not looking at a bad record that yeah. this team have over here I'm not and even sure sir if I missed it did you even mention the 4-3 against Frosinone you did right of course, of course. Okay, it's yes, kind yes. of what changed everything yeah, over yeah. there for them and, and you look at the there's a theme it's the hustle that gets them these yeah. victories you it's know the hustle and the hustle is called Leonardo Pavoletti, of course. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yes, bro, um, absolutely amazing team, incredible. Sassuolo on the self-destruct button. Click, boom. That is um, so typical of them. However, do not, do not even consider the idea that these guys are going to get relegated because there's no chance. Sassuolo. Yeah, yeah no. no chance, no chance. No, no. Um, Sassuolo are in fifteenth with fifteen points. <laughs> Cagliari are in sixteenth with thirteen points. Monza 1, Genoa 0. Good game. Good, good game. game. Very good game. Carboni, Valentin Carboni had his first start in Serie A, showing some good promise for Monza. Yeah, he's been really good coming off the yep. bench. Yep. Genoa welcomed back Goodmanson, but um, the absence of suspended Malinowski and the injured Kevin Strutman affected their midfield, actually, yes, coming yes. into this game. But this was already a. Uh a step forward because they've had so many injuries it was just good seeing yeah. all these names together for the first for time for sure for sure now both teams entered the match with only three points separating them uh, Monza were keen to bounce back after a last gasp defeat to Juve while Genoa aimed to capitalise on their opponent's recent difficulties pardon me I almost vomited he does that every episode Calderola's last-minute withdrawal forced Monza to make a defensive adjustment, introducing Pedro Pereira to the starting lineup. Um, 
Now the match, because obviously there were there were certain personnel out and just the way the game was unfolded, it it showcased quite a bit of defensive vulnerabilities for both sides, despite the low scoring affair with which it turned out to be. Genoa had their fair share of opportunities, with Badel having a close range header being cleared, being cru- crucially blocked by Matteo Pessina, really getting back into a good position and showing that he is as effective lower down the pitch. Retegui squandered a golden opportunity uh, moments later, ballooning the ball over <laughs> the bar from just six yards out. They'd be very disappointed with that. And then Monza broke the deadlock in the final minutes when Danny Mota, the substitute, started the move in his own half, finished expertly from Pedro Pereira's cross. He hadn't scored in 16 minutes, in, <laughs> in 16 matches, not 16 minutes. He hadn't scored in 16 matches before that. Genoa had an immediate chance to equalize, but Rade Dragosin hit the side netting. Um, he moves like a striker, Dragosin. He does, man. He does. He flows, doesn't he? Yeah. Dragosin. And he's, he's another defender that, that gets into. He really can't bomb, man. This is a, this is a trend. Now these 3 5 2s are Let all. Let me make. You know backs. how you made that TikTok of top five midfielders to keep yeah. your eyes out on? Let me do center backs. Do it. Please. I have. I, I could literally say them right now, but I won't because it will. It will spoil it. Scalvini, Bongiorno, Dragosin. Two more. Do you know who they are, though? Yes. Pongracic and Pongracic. Ooh, Baskerotto. 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 Yeah, 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 it's fun to watch. But then he put Baskerotto. Can't put Pongracic. I think. Ah, because two Lecce. Yeah, I'll yeah. think about it. Yeah, but that's interesting. I totally. I love that shit. We should mm-hmm. totally do it. Mm-hmm. I have. I have some cool ones. So I brought up a point on the group chat which Chesco disagreed with. God God bless him. Um, where I said that I prefer the role that Pessina has taken at Monza as opposed to the role he had at Atalanta. Now obviously at Atalanta he was in heavy rotation because they had Miranchuk, they had Malinowski and they had all these guys in the attacking midfield role. Um, but he was playing as an attacking midfielder. Here at Monza, he's really matured into this, you could say, box-to-box midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, but a very mature one at that, <clears throat> pardon me, that really prioritizes um, the defense and the, let's say, the Madonna, the balance of the midfield. Mm-hmm. He does yes. a great job over there. You see him getting back in this game and, and getting a crucial block over there. It's not the first time we see it. I think this is... This position is better suited for him, especially when you consider he's not incredibly refined in front of goal and in or around the box. Yeah. He's, he has good moments in him, but it's not yeah, like he's consistent yeah, yeah. there. What do you think? I think he's a very smart player. Mm-hmm. I think he is very mature and works very hard. Um, and if you look at the possession stats of Monza, it's always the, the defenders seem to have the most mm-hmm. of the ball. Um, and then from the outfield players, like besides the center backs um it's it's pessina mm-hmm. you know everything goes through him and pessina is just the heart and soul of this of this monza team at the moment in the in the double pivot alongside gagliardini they they make a really good duo and it's yeah. almost like they're doing the running for three people sometimes you know yeah so i do like this new role for him um i don't think as a trek artista he was I don't think he had a shout, for example, for the for a starting spot in the national team. But in no. this role, 
He might one day. He might. He might one day because he's he's not even that old. He's twenty six years old. Yeah, twenty six. Me and Pessina you know, are the same age. That's great for my confidence. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, I I, w- I would agree with you over there. He has a brighter future, I think, in the role that he's playing. And I think if Monza were to win a few more penalties, he could have the Chalanoglu effect because he yeah. is decent from the spot. Yes, and he's so, man, he's just a pleasure to have on the team because he can fill in any midfield yeah. position, any, yeah. anywhere. Yeah. They they are just a team of locals, aren't they, man, Monza? You look at the amount of Italians over there. That, Was this that... an all-Italian 11 no, bar? No, not an all-Italian. And um, Pereira. Pereira. I think that's, that's it. That's Everyone that's is Italian. Churia, Carboni, Colpani, Colombo, Gagliardini, Pessina, Carboni, D'Ambrosio, Di Gregorio. Give me a break, man. Damn, all you need is some some fucking cheese on it, man. You know, <laughs> and you've got yourself many different plates of pasta. I think Pereira had a good game. He grabbed an assist, um, and and this was obviously weren't expecting him to start over there. But let's jump to. Genoa. Genoa have a very good starting eleven, and they had a great campaign in Serie B last year. Do you think they're underperforming, overperforming, or performing up to their standard in Serie A this season? So I don't think they're underperforming, mm. and I don't think they're overperforming. I mm. think they're doing just fine considering the situation. Mm. They seem to have missing pieces at different times. Yeah. So when they started the season and Retegui was fit and Goodmanson was fit, they they were they were flying pretty much. Um, I'd say flying, not but... flying, but they were they were up there. They were getting their victories. If you look at mm-hmm. the way they started the the season, I think they even beat Roma. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, they beat Roma as well. They were they were doing very well. Um, but then everything seemed to fall apart. Retegui's been struggling with injuries. Junior Messias wasn't available from the start and has only become available recently. Yeah. And Malinowski picked up form late as well. He picked up form when Messias, Goodmanson and Retegui were all out. So that was actually a pretty mm-hmm. good thing for them. But I think when everyone's fit and together, I think that this team will definitely stay up. Bro, they beat Roma 4-1. I forgot yeah. about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, they they beat flying, Roma bro, 4-1. And they also had that mental game against Milan with, with Giroud, Giroud stepping in goal, in goal yeah. and all that. And they were really pushing at the end. But yeah. now now it seems that with all these injury problems, granted their players are back now, but they're not as match fit and they're still struggling in the second half to see out games because now they're just starting their their best players who can't play a full 90 minutes and having to replace them for lesser yeah. players, you know? Yeah. I think that I think they'll survive. I think for no, sure they survive. To, to be honest, I don't know why I don't even think of it as a as a question. I think they have a lot of quality in their team. I think they have a good manager in uh, Gilardino, and and I think their best is yet to come. And we've seen flashes, but I still think that a lot of these players, like I mentioned, Messias, new from Milan, yeah. won the Serie A. Fucking <laughs> Leo, um, Malinowski, star. He's a, he's a a star of a player. Retegui as well, young talent. Young in inverted commas. Um, by Italian standards. By Italian standards. And Malinowski star by Italian standards. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but there are all these new pieces coming yeah. in, and once they gel, bro, they could really be like the Monza of last of, of last season. You and know? just like Monza, they have a fantastic tactician at the helm because Gilardino has displayed yep. willingness to shift formation to adapt to games. I really like him as a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some of his offensive tools that have been available recently in Ecuban and Puskas, as we say every episode, are not quite yeah. the standard, but but you know how it is. Better get there. 
Monza are in 9th on 21 points. Pardon me. Genoa on 14th on 15. Drink every time. You have to excuse my brother. Well, it's the beer. It's the beer. So, bro, Verona held Lazio 1-1 at home, right? Yeah. Um, they played a 4-2-3-1 formation with Serdar and Suslov and Ngonj playing behind Juric. While for Lazio, they had um, Luis Alberto back and it was pretty much business as usual. Other than that, um, with Chasale also stepping back into the centre-back position, replacing um, Patrick. Yeah. Who has since reunited with Spongebob. <laughs> the game began with uh, Lazio dictating the tempo, but struggling to break through Verona's defence. However, there was a swift combination between Lazzari and Philip Anderson, which led to Zaccani's superb backheel finish. I was particularly impressed by... Zaka, um, by Lazzari this game and yeah. who, was, who was really yeah. lively and technical and really squeezing through tight like spaces between opponents and keeping the ball it was very yeah, it was very involved very I'm, involved. I'm still laughing because like, like imagine you, you mentioned like a TikTok trend or something to, to Patrick and he doesn't know what you're talking about just like have you been living under a rock Anyway, football <laughs> Serie A podcast. Like, let's let's get back to it, man. <laughs> Goddamn, Patrick living under a rock. <laughs> That's hilarious, bro. Um, yes, it was the twenty-third minute when Zaccani <clears throat> decided to flick the switch, channeling his inner Luis Alberto. Um, he didn't he celebrate. Decided, he, of course he didn't because he's a Hellas Verona player and he's had many good moments at Hellas Verona. So mm. they really made him the player he is today. So of course he did not celebrate. Nice to see. Following the goal, Lazio of course adopted a more cautious ac- approach and they allowed Verona to gradually exert themselves. Despite the limited attacking threats from the hosts before halftime, Ngonj's header posed a minor threat handled by... Um, immobile before it could trouble Providel that's fun, <laughs> funny and the first half ended with Lazio in the league the second half saw Baroni's tactical changes um, he injected more offensive impetus with substitutions on reason introduction proved to be the pivotal one equalizing in the 70th minute after Suslov's delivery now it's 1-1 and later on um, Chasale would score a goal um, another X for yeah. Verona. Um, however, a VAR review clearly showed that he had shoved the dude out of the ground before <laughs> winning that header. So, of course, the goal was um, cancelled. Um, shortly after, Duda received a second yellow card, reducing Verona to 10 men. Um, Lazio had a numerical advantage and tried to push forward in search for a winner, but they didn't manage. Um, they had chances, but Castellanos and Vecino failed to convert them. And the 1-1 one, one was pretty much a fair result, in my opinion, over here. Yes, yes, uh, I I think so. I think Lazio's inability to kill the game mm-hmm. was kind of what the, the, the theme of, of this game was. Even if you look at the most recent, let's call them, upsets. So the, the last one, which was against Salernitana. That was that as well. I mean, Immobile scored a penalty before the stroke of halftime. Yeah, they didn't manage to kill the game and Salernitana grew back into it. I think Lazio are, are missing that. Like last season, they were so good at attacking, no? You look yeah, at what yeah, they yeah. did to Milan with the, the 4-1. Um, 
game and, and the way that the entire team was linking up. Zakani on fire, Milinkovic Savic obviously last season, Luis Alberto on hot form. Immobile still had it, even though he, he started to slow down a little bit last season. But they're not those killers that they were mm. Lazio. And, and they really, like, you, you see this this game against Verona, they really allowed Verona to play their game. Now, Verona is a team who, against who can they play their game? You know what I mean? But they were allowed to bring it, quite frankly. Look, they're a team whose best playmakers, barring Luis Alberto, who's just on a different level when he wants to turn mm-hmm. things on, mm-hmm. are their wingers. And they have pretty good depth in their winger position because they have Philip Anderson, they've got Zaccani, they've got Pedro. Okay, okay. Those three can all create a goal. Then up front, they've got Immobile, the veteran, and they've got the new guy, Castellanos. But then you look in the midfield, man, if they have no solution if Luis Alberto flat. isn't working. It's flat. flat. It's so flat. <clears throat> they have no, like they brought in Vecino, but Vecino isn't the type of player you're going to bring on to pick a pass out, you know, to, to you know, play that killer pass, mm-hmm. uh, that through ball to Immobile to unleash him, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're clearly struggling. And, and Sarri has, has said himself that he, he struggles to find what the problem is with this side and why he can't seem to get them flowing. So they they clearly have some problems right now. Um, the problem is if they, if they keep dropping points, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And if they thought lo- losing Milinkovic-Savic was bad, if they don't make Champions League, they're going to lose a lot more players. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I mean, they're in 10th right now with 21 points. That's not very good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Verona, on the other hand, they are in 19th with 11 points. Flirting with safety as they're a point away, but um, but yeah, they've got a lot of work to do, and um, they do seem to be getting more organized, especially defensively. Uh, they're very similar to Udinese in my in my opinion. But yeah, Udinese we, have we've more said technique. this. I think this is like the the third season in a row where we're drawing. They are comparison. so similar, man. Yeah. They're so similar. They're both tight, two tight uh-huh. teams, hard to penetrate. Um, Verona though don't have as much. Technically gifted left-footed mm-hmm. players as mm-hmm. Udinese, let's just say that. Good to mention as well, brother, um, the return of Thomas Henry. He's now scored two very important goals for Hellas Verona in his last two appearances yes. where he came on for for Juric. So this is a guy that, by the way, um, who, Madonna, who was he with before Verona? Venezia. Venezia. He was a record-breaking signing for, for them. Venezia, yes. um, and and so he always has and, and he was one of the players that stayed in Serie A when when the rest of the team went down to Serie B. Um so eh, like eyes on him be- yeah. because okay he's got he's got a shitty attitude, but there's something about him that, that makes clubs spend millions of yeah, euros. And on apparently Sialametti Senya Toma Onri, you know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, twice in a row, no? Shall we jump to Empoli Lecce, it was a 1-1 draw. Um, it was a tightly contested match. The result temporarily lifted Empoli out of the relegation zone, uh, while Lecce stayed in 13th place throughout. The game saw Simone Bastoni's early free kick sailing over the crossbar as the first attempt. Empoli's Nicola Cambiaghi created a threatening chance with a low cross, but Lecce's Falcone, the main character, mm-hmm. denied the subsequent effort. Lecce's Piccoli had opportunities but couldn't convert. And Nicola Sansone's attempt was collected safely by Falcone. Cambiaghi had a promising breakaway chance, but Falcone's strong positioning denied him the chance. That was a good opportunity for Empoli. And Caputo was shortly after substituted due to an injury just before halftime. 
and the second half saw both teams making some changes. Kristovic and Rafia entered the game with Banda breaking the deadlock at the 64th minute with a long-range shot that surprised Berisha. Mm-hmm. We can call it a blunder by Berisha because the shot was from miles out and it went under, under his, his legs, legs like... Yeah. I was a goalkeeper and if, if you listen to... Well, when, in, when I was fucking 12, like, you know... But he was lit, huh? He was good. I was fucking mental, bro. Um... But he was so good, you know, they used to use the, the big goalposts, the actual sizes, and he was 12 years old, just flying, saving top corner efforts, you know. Mental. That's like, a lie, the by the way. fuck happened? <laughs> no, I, they, they used to use quite big goalposts, bro. Really? Me, it no, wasn't, I'm it the wasn't size, the 11, right? like I could barely reach the top <laughs> yeah. over there, but, but they used to use bigger ones. I mean, at that age, they tell you to shoot from as far as possible. They're like, the yeah. keeper's small, have it. Yes, have it. yes, they have it, bro. Fucking magnet mat and goals. <laughs> magnet mat. Um, but one of the first things they teach you is when you're picking up a ball that's rolling towards you, it's you don't open your legs, bend over and go to pick it up. Yeah, but yeah. You, you, you kneel down, you put your knee behind your other knee or leg and you collect it so that if the ball slips between your legs, it's going to hit your knee. And to me, it looked like he was about to do that and then he stopped himself. So I, I, I don't want to you know, accuse someone of, of match fixing, but go look at it and, and, and tell me it wasn't either super amateur or daylight robbery like. And it was unlike him because he's had a brilliant season up until really now. Has, and really even has. this game with the ball at his feet, he was looking really confident. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, um I, I wouldn't I don't know if it's so uh, that, it's that, like I, I, I doubt it, but then again it's it's Italian football, so the hell knows. Shall we just move on to Jazzy's bicycle kick man? <laughs> I I Feel a bit bad for Jazzy now because we really put the Serie A spotlight on him, oh. and and I I really don't want to Harry Maguire his career, man. Yeah, bro did the thing, but uh, Jazzy's blessed though. He'll score goals and big opportunities, so his career will be you know he'll be praised wherever he goes in Italy later on like, in his career. Moments later, uh, Empoli equalized as Cambiaghi's intended cross took a deflection off Raffia looping into the net, which went down as an own goal. Empoli pressed for a winner with Falcone making a couple of crucial saves while Lecce defended resolutely. The match ended 1-1 with Empoli climbing to 17th place for a moment, one point above the relegation zone and Lecce maintaining their 13th position. I must say, bro, that uh, I have a few points to make about this game. So, first of all, Banda, despite all his um, clear limitations and... The fact that he's not always effective. If he attempts five maneuvers mm. and fails four of them, that one he manages can be devastating. Yeah. And he often leaves his opponents in the dirt. And this match even saw him out muscling his opponents on many occasions as well. He had a pretty good game over here. Um, Spendi, Stephen Spendi, um, has very good hold-up play for a mm-hmm. striker. Very good. Seems to be a, an interesting player. And I must say that at the end of the game, Fazzini was so unlucky not to get that ball across the face of goal. He squeezed mm. past the defender mm. so brilliantly after knocking it back. I, I was sure he couldn't get into that position, but he managed and he squared it across the face of goal, but um, it was cleared by a defender. Um, also, smart management by Daversa, who waited until halftime to make a substitution, because as you know, um, there are three substitute slots. You can make five substitutions, but they have to be in three slots, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So Caputo had fallen injured in the 41st minute and he, had, he brought on Steven Spendi. Yeah. And then uh, shortly after, Berezinski got injured. So he waited until halftime to bring on Tyron Ebuehi mm, and that mm. way the slot wasn't used up. Very smart by Andrea yeah. Zoli. Yeah. Cute. Cute. Do you think there was a team that deserved to take three points over here? Um, that's a very good question, actually. Um, it was a very standard one when there's a draw. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> but I, I hadn't thought about it. Um, I think... Empoli were slightly better, but I don't think... Look, at the end of the day, Empoli played a more refined brand of football Mm -hmm. than Lecce, which isn't very common. And Lecce's goal did come through a terrible goalkeeping blunder. Mm. Even though <laughs> the other goal was also a blunder, it was a no goal. Yeah. So no, fuck it, draw deserved. No, there yeah. was no no team that deserved the victory. Well, fair enough, brother. Um, Empoli are in 18th on 12 points, while Lecce, God bless them, 13th on 17 points. God bad. bless them. Huh? Frosinone Torino is the finale of this episode. Yep. Um, and it's not a very <laughs> exciting one, to be honest with you. Um, but look, look who's back. Richie back Samuele Richie yeah, playing alongside Illich and Vlasic in the middle over there for Torino. Torino are looking better. They're looking very sharp. They lined up the three-five-two formation with Dugvan and Sanabria up front together, while Frosinone lined up with an interesting three-four-three formation. And listen to this: they had Sule, who was born in two thousand and three. Kyo George, who was born in two thousand and two, and Ibrahimovic, who was born in two thousand and five. This team is so young, man. Yeah, all starting in the all starting front up front, forming the f- front three for Frosinone. Now, mm. this was a, a bit of a surprise tactical setup from Di Francesco. No one really saw it coming, and the first half wasn't kind. It wasn't the Frosinone we're used to seeing. It wasn't as um, flowing as as mm. a continuous kind of football, and I think that's mostly with Torino's attempt to disrupt their gameplay. Yeah, they are a very disruptive team, Torino, they and they're really a very are. organized team at that. They're a Eurich team. So. They really are. So the first half did lack continuous flow. It was marked by fragmented p- fragmented play and heightened aggression. Just mm. it seems to be the theme of the week. Yeah. Um, there were also a few controversial refereeing decisions by the referee over here. Torino had two clear chances, one from Zapata's header of a corner, narrowly missing Tarati's goal, and another powerful long-range strike that hit the post um, by Illich. Mm-hmm. Going back to the referee inconsistency in, in or controversy in this game, Oyono had two fouls in a row and should have probably been sent off. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a penalty call for a challenge um, by Bongiorno on George, on mm, Kyle okay. Georgia. Yes. Um, the second half saw Frosinone's best chance when Ibrahimovic found Kyle Georgia free in the box, only to be denied by Milinkovic Savic's reflex save. Both Di Francesco and Juric made tactical substitutions um, to try to change the game. Um, Karamok's introduction led to a chance for Zapata, but Turati pulled off a wonderful save. Over there, probably one of the saves of the week. There were quite yeah. a few. Brilliant save. Despite Torino's late surge and the disallowed offside goal, um, the game ended goalless and both teams, of course, were unable to take home all three points. Um, a fun nil-nil, you know, nothing really eventful over here. Um, two teams who are 
entertaining. Frosinone, particularly, a very entertaining football team. While Torino, on the other hand, are kind of on the up and seem to be rediscovering themselves again. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I was expecting a little bit more from Torino just because they just came away from a massive 3-0 victory against Atalanta. But it doesn't seem like Torino are a team that very much ride in negative or positive spells. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and this is a Frosinone side who have taken points from the likes of Atalanta and Fiorentina at home. So they did have to proceed with caution because these guys have some bite about them. Mm. So, yeah, um, I thought this was a fair draw, to be honest. Nothing nothing crazy apart from the maybe refereeing drama, but you know that we don't really enjoy yeah, discussing. We don't get that. into that yeah. too much. We're not we're not referees ourselves, exactly, so yeah. no, nor are we VAR operators, whatever the fuck they call them nowadays. Smooth operator. Torino are in eleventh with twenty points, <laughs> while Frosinona are in twelfth with nineteen points. That is not all from us this week, guys, as obviously tomorrow we're going to be recording our question segment. We've got two weeks built up of questions, um, so we'll definitely have a conversation or two together addressing your questions, your hot takes, so on and so forth. Until then, if you enjoyed this, make sure that you follow us on all of our socials and rate us five stars wherever you're listening. That helps our growth tremendously. Um, And keep listening to us. Thank you very much, Rez, we made it this far. Thank you, love you, good night. This is Serie Spotlight. If you like Serie A or have ever liked it in the past, it's a good opportunity for you to listen once a week and you'll get filled in. In the football weekend, that's like the main dish. But then a few days later, you drop your episode and that's like the dessert. And the dessert is just perfect. It's good, okay? It makes it feel like we're all sitting in a room together, just BSing with each other. The atmosphere is fantastic. I promise nobody will ask you to send boob pics. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. I love how you go into so much detail and show so much passion towards each and every team. Literally, no team is left undiscussed. When I listen to you, it's like I'm talking to you in a pub. It's like I'm chatting to a friend and you're chatting to me.